uh, today is a very special day. Uh, we get to, I get to uh, uh, introduce to you a very special uh, guest speaker today, Will Moraza. Will is the teaching pastor of Epic Church up in San Francisco. If you uh, have heard the name, if you've, let me put it this way, if you've been here for any length of time, you've heard Epic Church uh, mentioned here. Uh, they have been a strong partner church of ours from the very beginning. Pastor Ben there uh, has been a very uh, special friend and mentor to me personally. Uh, they've been with us from before day one launching, even sending uh, teams down, if, if I recall correctly. Uh, Will has been here to preach before. Uh, as I mentioned, Will is the teaching pastor there. He has been a behind-the-scenes force in terms of helping us in our ministry here. I can't tell you how many times myself or Cindy or someone on the team has called him just to glean from his wisdom, his insight over various ministries. Uh, he's also a very uh, gifted uh, speaker, so it's uh, very exciting to be able to welcome to the, him to the stage. Uh, would you please uh, put your hands together and give a warm welcome to Will Moraza. Man, I, I love your pastor. He's one of the nicest guys I know. Makes me blush uh, with that introduction. Just, uh, just extremely kind um, and generous, and um, it's been a pleasure getting to know him and Cindy, um, and I'm glad to be with you all today. Um, let me pray before we dive into the Word of God today. Father, I pray at this moment, that you will be with us. I pray that you will speak to us, speak to our hearts. Father, remove any distractions that will keep us from hearing from you, from your spirit. Pray that your voice will be clear. Pray that it will be convicting, encouraging, and strengthening to our spirits. In Christ's name we pray. Amen and amen. Let me begin with this. Slow and steady wins the race. Who can tell me where that line is from? Tortoise in the hare. It's the well-known line from Aesop's famous fable about the tortoise and the hare. Many of you know the story, but if you don't, let me give you a brief synopsis of the story. One day, the hare was mocking the tortoise for its short legs, its slowness, its weird-looking feet. But the tortoise wasn't going to allow that to happen. So the tortoise, with great pride and confidence, told the hare, you might be fast, but I bet I can beat you at a race. Now, the, the hare thought that this was a joke, right? This would be like any one of us challenging Steph Curry to a three-point contest, all right? It's just like, are you serious? But the hare wasn't going to back down. The race was on. Fox was chosen as the umpire. And the two rivals were off from the starting line. Now, in no time, as you can imagine, the hare left the tortoise in the dust. But midway through the race, the hare just began to goof off. She noticed she had a great big lead, so she began to goof off. And it was a warm day, probably like today. And so she decided to even take a nap in a shady spot, thinking to herself that even if the tortoise were to pass me, I would still have enough time to get up, run at full speed, and beat him at this race. But I love this next line in the story. It says that while the hare was goofing off, while the hare was taking a nap, it says the tortoise, meanwhile, plodded on, unwavering, 
and unresting. Plotted on, unwavering and unresting. While the hare slept, the tortoise kept inching along towards the finish line. Now, when the hare woke up from her nap, she was surprised to find that the tortoise was nowhere in sight. So she sped off to the finish line. And upon arriving at the finish line, she found the tortoise there waiting for her all this time. And the moral of the story, as per Aesop, slow and steady wins the race. Now, I don't want to mess with an all-time classic piece of literature, but if you ask me, I think the author got it wrong. I think the author got it wrong. Now, this is truly an all-time classic piece of literature. Aesop's fable is believed to have been written by a slave uh, in ancient Greece around the 6th century BCE. Okay, so these stories have stood the test of time. But in my humble opinion, I believe the moral should read like this. Steady wins the race. Steady wins the race. You see, because there is no advantage to being slow. The, 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 the hare did not win the race because, sorry, the tortoise did not win the race because he was slow. He won in spite of it. He won in spite of it. Why did he win? He won because he was steady. Being steady was a difference maker. If the hare had been even slightly steady, she would have defeated the tortoise easily. But, but you see, maybe by adding slow, the author is trying to emphasize the underdog quality of the story, that despite being at a deficit from the start, the tortoise was able to find success through hard work and diligence. Now, I could get behind that. I like those kinds of stories, right? There are times that you and I need to be reminded that the challenges and deficits that we face in our lives don't have the final say. We need to be reminded that the challenges that we face don't have the final word, that through consistent effort towards a goal, that we can overcome what once seemed insurmountable. So if we're slightly overweight, that's okay. That's okay, because consistent exercise and healthy choices will allow us to slowly chip away at those pounds until we reach our goal. Marriage a little volatile and shaky? No need to lose hope, because we know that uh, consistent love and intentional love and grace can turn it around. Steady wins the race. Steady wins the race. The biblical equivalent of steady is faithfulness faithfulness. Faithfulness is what brings you to the finish line. Faithfulness is what helps you achieve your goal. Faithfulness is what, allow, what will allow you to do what the tortoise did, to keep plodding on, unwavering, and unresting, straight towards your goal. But faithfulness is not easily or naturally developed. No, no. We, we need God's help. We, 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 you see, we read in Galatians 5.22 that faithfulness is a fruit of the Spirit. It is a quality of the Spirit. And, and as a generation, we are in serious need of faithfulness. Now, we could just begin to talk about the divorce rates in our country, right? How 50% of marriages end in divorce, and that's including Christian marriages. Or we can talk about how millennials are changing jobs at a rate of every 18 months, right? One report that I saw... Uh, estimated that most millennials will have on average about 29 jobs in their lifetime, 29. Or we could just talk about how 
uh, it's believed that only about 9% of the population achieve and, and complete all of their New Year resolutions, and 24% never achieve any of them. We need faithfulness. It's my belief, whether we are talking about in the home, in business, or in our personal lives, that a consistent faithfulness is what ultimately leads to lasting results. Here's a quote by a pastor out of the Midwest named Jeff Mannion. Learned so much about him in regards to this topic of faithfulness. This is what he writes. Great lives are built on the foundation of a holy redundancy. I love that phrase. A holy redundancy, a persistence and determination to move faithfully in the right direction. So I want us to spend the rest of our time looking at the trait of faithfulness. For us to see that we can build a life of significance when we apply faithfulness to our lives. And all we have is one passage, one verse for today. It's going to be out of Proverbs chapter 6. And we're going to read verse 6. Now, if you guys don't mind, in our, in our church, sorry, I just dropped your notes. In our church, we have the tradition of standing when we read God's Word, especially the, the first main passage. So if you will, why don't we stand together as we read God's Word this morning. Proverbs chapter 6, one verse again. It's going to be short. Verse 6 says this. Go to the ant, you sluggard. Consider its ways and be wise. You may be seated. I pray that God's Word will speak to us this morning. So, so Solomon, who is believed to have written the majority of, of the book of Proverbs, says, go to the ant, you sluggard. Consider its ways and be wise. What can we learn from the ant about faithfulness? What can it teach us? For starters, the ant will teach us that faithfulness is not a flashy virtue. It's not a flashy virtue. Um, you see, there's nothing flashy about ants. They pale in comparison, for example, to the beauty and power and majesticness of a lion, right? In, in our boys' room, we have two, two boys, nine and, and six. In their room, we have this awesome picture of a lion. It's just his head, and it just looks amazing. And I was like, man, this is the type of picture you want to build strength and character into your boys. Not once did we ever consider putting a picture of an ant in their room. Not once did we think of that. But maybe we should reconsider, right? You see, ants are tiny and, and, and have little strength. But what they lack in size, they make up for it through steady discipline and consistency. J just observe an anthill or colony. This is what the, the Proverbs writer is telling us to do. Go observe an anthill or colony. They build and store up their food by going back and forth. They go back, pick something up, and then forth. Back. There's a fine line between an illustration having power and it being annoying. But let me just try it one more time. Back. Trip after trip, they go back and forth. They are methodical and masters of redundancy. 
they excel in monotony. And their example is a reminder of what can be achieved when we steadily chip away at the task before us. But unlike the ant, oh, the majority of us struggle with monotony, right? We, we tire easily with the mundane. Here's another quote by Jeff. As a culture, we are addicted to immediacy and allergic to boredom. Addicted to immediacy and allergic to boredom. But guys, if, if everything has to come quick and everything has to be new and interesting all the time, then we will miss out on the greatest opportunity for impact and influence that we have, which comes by consistently bringing ourselves over and over again to routine tasks. Over and over again. I want us to go back to Proverbs 6.6 6 and camp out on a word that most of us would probably quickly overlook. Who is Solomon addressing in this passage? Anyone? The sluggard, right? The sluggard. The sluggard is a person who is lazy, right? We could replace that word with lazy. Now, just given the, the, the area that we in, in the Bay Area, right? We, we all know how expensive it is to live here. Um, I know that this room is probably filled with a, a lot of high achievers, okay? That in this room, it's highly unlikely that the majority of you would be labeled as lazy by anyone. And the reason being is because we tend to associate laziness with idleness or inactivity. We, we think laziness means that you are idle or not doing anything, and you guys aren't idle. You guys are always on the go. But I would argue that you can be lazy while still being busy. You can be lazy while still being busy. Just think about this for a moment. I'm going to use two kind of stereotypical examples of what we think typically of a, of a lazy person, right? The gamer, right? The gamer who spends all day playing video games. We would say that person is lazy, but he's not lazy. No, 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 no. He's busy playing video games, okay? All right? He's busy playing video games. How about this? The guy hanging out on the street corner. I grew up in low-income housing projects, and there was always people out on the corner, drinking, hanging out. We would say that person is lazy. No, 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 no. That person is building community, okay? That person is active in the community life, all right? To be lazy doesn't just mean to be idle and inactive. That, that is the wrong definition. It's the wrong way to look at it. No. To be lazy is to be idle and inactive in areas of importance. In areas of importance, true laziness, the definition is going to be on the screen, true laziness is the avoidance of doing what is necessary and most important when it is in your power to do it. The avoidance of doing what is necessary and most important when it is in your power to do it. So the sluggard or the lazy person is nothing like the ant. No, no, no. The sluggard tends to avoid activities that are mundane and unappealing. The sluggard tends to make decisions based off of their feelings and emotions and the circumstances around them. And here's the main difference between the ant and the sluggard. The sluggard is reactionary, not faithful like the ant. They only react. They're not faithful like the ant. Jim Collins 
leadership expert, wrote a ton of books. And in one of his books called Great by Choice, he writes about a race. In 1911, two explorers and their team set out to be the first people in modern history to reach the South Pole. 1911. Now, I don't know if we're better equipped now in 2019 to reach the South Pole, but they set out to do this over 100 years ago. One team was from Great Britain. The other one was from Norway. Now, you, we all know this. It's cold, right? Temperatures in, in, the, in the South Pole can reach minus 20 in the summertime, okay? Those are warm days. And so the guys leading these teams, you need to know that they were roughly the same age and had comparable uh, experience exploring. And they both started their 1,400-mile journey within a few days of each other. Within a few days of each other. They both endured the same conditions, but the two teams had dramatically different strategies. One adventurer led his team based on the current conditions. If it was good weather, he might march him and his team 30 miles or 40 miles, maybe even 50 miles. If the weather was good, they were going to march. On bad days, though, when, like, the gale force winds came in, sometimes they would hunker down and they wouldn't move an inch, and they would just stay in their tents. He let the environment determine his distance. And in the process, he led his team to exhaustion. On the other hand, the other adventurer adopted a completely different strategy. He decided that he would march 20 miles regardless of weather conditions. 20 miles regardless of the conditions. On good days, he went the same distance, even though someone on his team challenged him to go further. On bad days, he led his team exactly the same, even though many complained. He didn't let the environment or the suggestions of his team sway him. They would march 20 miles and rest, even if they didn't feel like it. So who won the race? Well, if you've been kind of Tuning in, you kind of know who won the race, right? The team that went a consistent distance on a daily basis won, and they won big, all right? The other team who determined their efforts based on the circumstances, they arrived at the destination at the South Pole 34 days later. And unfortunately, on the return trip, that entire team lost their lives. What's the lesson here? There will be some days, guys, when faithfulness will come easily. But there will be other days where it's going to take every ounce of energy that you have. But consistent commitment to what's important will pay off over time. It will pay off over time. But you need to be able to ride it out, not just on the good days, but also on those bad days. So, questions for you guys. What is your 20-mile march that will get you to your goal? What is your 20-mile march? What, what is one ant-like activity that you can begin immediately? Is it putting a little bit of money away for a big purchase? That's okay. Is it every day sincerely thanking someone on your team at work? giving them a, a genuine thank you for what you do? Is it walking or jogging a few miles a day? Is it praying daily for your children? Is it faithfully giving a certain amount of your check whenever you get one? 
Is it reading a chapter of the Bible a day? And sometimes we, we think, oh, chapter of the Bible a day, that seems easy. And what difference will it make? It will make a huge difference. There's about 1,100, close to 1,200 chapters in the Bible. So that means if you read a chapter every day, that means you would read through the entire Bible in about three years. Now, that might seem like a long time to read through just one book. But just think about if you did that over 30 years. You will have gone through the entire Bible 10 times. That is a treasure trove of, of just richness and interaction with God's word. That can produce a transformation in your life and in the lives of others around you. One chapter a day. What's your 20-mile march? What's your ant-like activity? Remember, it's not going to be flashy. It's not going to be flashy. But what's important is consistent, steady movement over a period of time. That's the first thing that Ann teaches us. Faithfulness is not a flashy virtue. Here's the second thing that we can learn from the ant. Faithfulness can be impactful and life-giving to others. It can be impactful and life-giving to others. Ants work diligently for the good of the colony, for the good, for the good of the whole. And the accumulated effect of their steady, repeated effort is life-saving. Everyone in the colony benefits from their faithfulness and commitment. But can you imagine if after one trip they stop to evaluate their work? Can you imagine after just picking up, I don't even know what they pick up, right? Sand, a, a leaf, right? What's really cool is they can lift like more than twice their body weight. That's, so they are strong for their size. But can you imagine they pick up a little grain of sand for the colony, they bring it, they look at their work. They would be frustrated, right? It's like, come on now. Like, we, we, there's no way we're going to do this. There's no way. It, the, the frustration would kick in automatically. They would feel defeated right away. But they don't stop to reflect. Because it would, it would hamper their progress, and it won't get them the results that they're hoping for. They're committed to the task at hand. And when they are all committed, it makes a great impact. I love the encouragement that we receive from the Apostle Paul in Galatians 6.9. He writes this. He says, let us, not, let us not become weary in doing good. For at the proper time, we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Now, Paul in these chapters is specifically talking about the relationships that we have with others. He's encouraging the Galatians, and I believe he's encouraging us to not grow tired of serving and doing good to those in our sphere of influence, because we will reap the impact and harvest that we seek as we continue to sow good seeds in the lives of others. He says, don't grow tired or weary of doing good, because in due time, you will reap a harvest. How many of you know the name Fred Rogers, right? He's become quite, his popularity has gone up again in recent years because of documentary. Fred Rogers is the creator and personality behind Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood. Now, what's amazing is that his show ran for 33 years, from 1968 to 2001. And what's fascinating 
is that that show began the very same way every single time for 33 years. And it, I'm not just talking about with the famous song, right? It's a beautiful day in the neighborhood. No, no, no. It, I, I mean, every time he would come in with his kind of suit coat, sports coat, he would take it off, put on a, 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 a sweater. He would take off his dress shoes and, and lace up his shoelaces. For 33 years, he did not change that routine. I'm 35. I can't imagine how he just didn't get bored and felt the need to, to make a shift or a change. But you see, for 33 years, he modeled consistency to a generation of kids, many of whom did not have a steady example of faithfulness in the home. That's why he did it over and over again. And, and his faithfulness did not go unnoticed. Look at some of the achievements that he um, attained or some of the recognition that he received over the years. His show won four Emmy Awards. In 1997, he received a Lifetime Achievement Award. In 1999, he was inducted to the Television Hall of Fame. He has a, a star in Hollywood in the Walk of Fame. And in 2002, the year before his death, he received the Presidential Medal of Freedom, the highest civilian award an American can receive. Why? How did he achieve all of this success and recognition? Don't tell me it was because he was flashy, because by no means was Mr. Rogers flashy. Mr. Rogers was an ordained Presbyterian minister. That doesn't mean he was boring just because he was a, a, a minister. But he was a minister who wrote many of his own jingles and used puppets to teach and entertain his viewers. It wasn't because he was flashy. No, no, no. It was because he left a legacy of faithfulness. Hear this. Faithfulness often means that we bring ourselves again and again, often in the same way and usually to the same people. Faithfulness often means that we bring ourselves again and again in the same way and usually to the same people. This is the wisdom of the ant. The people that I see making the most difference, the most impactful difference, are the ones that are committed for the long haul to the people and the work that they have been entrusted with. I believe this is what your pastors have been doing here for the past three years in this community. And they're committing to another 15. No, I'm just, not, we're not going to have that conversation right now. <laughs> but this is what many of you have been doing as you serve week to week in the kids' ministry, as you serve and help out to create this environment that allows people to step into so that they can come to know and grow in their relationship with Jesus. A faithfulness, a commitment to a group of people. Who are the people that God is calling you to bring your best self to again and again? Who are those people in your life? Is it your wife? The answer is yes to that one. That's, a, that's an easy one, okay? Yes, absolutely. Your kids? Definitely. Is it to a group of people or to a ministry? Possibly. Possibly. Let me just throw out a crazy question. We all know how transient the Bay Area is, okay? Um, how many of you actually were born or grew up in the Bay Area? Just, okay. So 
good number, maybe 10 to 20% though. The majority of us did not grow up in this area. But let me ask you a crazy question. What would it look like and what would it mean if you committed yourself to the people of Mountain View, to the people of Silicon Valley, to, the, to your coworkers, to this church? What difference, what impact do you believe you can make? If you didn't just see the Bay Area as a place for you to gain and receive, build up your career, or build up your bank account, but you saw it as a place where God is calling you to sow seeds of faithfulness that will reap a harvest if you do not grow weary or tired. I believe the impact could be massive. But you will only know if you decide to stay and commit. Mother Teresa, who, um, as many of you know, served the poor and dying in Calcutta, and we would all say her life was an inspiration, right? Just knowing what she did. This is what she once said. She says, I do not pray for success. I ask for faithfulness. I do not pray for success. I ask for faithfulness. I know in this room, we all want success. But do we want faithfulness even more? Parents, don't underestimate the impact that you can have by reading a story to your child every night, by praying for them every night. That can make such a difference in their lives. Business leaders, don't underestimate what a simple thank you can do for your team and the culture in your team. If you commit yourself to do that day in and day out, week after week. Faithfulness can be impactful and life-giving to others. Guys, in, in, in some ways, this message has been extremely just practical, right? We've talked about being faithful to tasks or, or routines um, and also being faithful to people. But you need to understand that faithfulness is deeply spiritual. When we are faithful, we imitate God. You see, when we are faithful, we are becoming more and more like him because God is faithful. Psalm 33, 4 says, For the word of the Lord is right and true. He is faithful in all he does. Throughout this time, we've talked about faithful to tasks, faithful to people. And you see, God is faithful in the very same ways, to routine and to people. Check out this awesome quote by G.K. Chesterton. This is going to highlight the, uh, the faithfulness to routine. G, uh, Chesterton kind of um, compares God to a child who's okay with things being done over and over again. I love this quote. Check it out. He writes this, Because children have abounding vitality, because they are in spirit fierce and free, therefore they want things repeated and unchanged. They always say, do it again. And the grown-up person does it again until he is nearly dead. Every parent, aunt, and uncle knows what I'm talking about there, and, and grandparent. For grown-up people are not strong enough to exalt in monotony. But perhaps God is strong enough to exalt in monotony. It is possible that God says every morning, do it again to the sun. And every evening, do it again to the moon. It may not be an automatic necessity that makes all daisies alike. 
It may be that God makes every daisy separately, but has never got tired of making them. It may be that he has the eternal appetite of infancy, for we have sinned and grown old, and our father is younger than we. Isn't that beautiful? Do it again. This morning, God said to the sun, do it again. This evening, he'll say to the moon, do it again. Faithful to tasks and routines, but just as we are called to be faithful to him and to others, he is faithful to us even when we are not. 2 Timothy 2.13 says that if we are faithless, he remains faithful, for he cannot disown himself. Some of you this morning might be feeling distant from God. Might be feeling that there's no way that God could love me because of what I've done or because of who I am. And what you need to know is that God is already here, ready to meet you, to show himself faithful to you. To show himself faithful to you. You see, he is a God of second chances. He is a God of third chances, fourth chances, and on and on we can go. You see, there's a passage that I love in Lamentations. Many of you have heard it before. It says that his compassions and mercies are new every morning. This morning, his compassion and mercy was new towards you. And I love that at the end of that passage, it has this great line, this great line of praise. It says, great is thy faithfulness. Great is thy faithfulness. God is here, ready to show himself faithful to you. Will you receive his love, his mercy that he has for you? Let me pray for us. God, we thank you for your faithfulness. God, you are good. You are loving. You never give up on us. And God, may we imitate you and take on the characteristic, the quality of faithfulness. May you reveal to us what our 20-mile march is, what our ant-like activity can be. Will you reveal to us the people or the ministries that you're calling us to be faithful to? God, what would it look like if we were to commit to this church, to our city, to our co-workers, and invest in them? God, I believe we will reap a harvest if we continue to sow good seed. May we bear much fruit in your kingdom. God, make us steady because that's how we will win the race. In Christ's name we pray, amen.